Yeah, so we're going through this series. Uh, we're calling it Power Tools. It's, it's our Manly Man series, but women, I know you can get something out of this. And if I'm being 100% honest with you guys right now, my wife uses power tools way more than I do. And I know that feels like I'm just admitting something that nobody really wants to hear, but it's just so true. I'm not a tools kind of guy. To be honest, I'm not really like your stereotypical like manly man. I cry way more than normal. And I don't really know how to handle myself in, in, uh, in situations that could be considered precarious. So I'm going to tell you guys about a story. Um, it's a little fresh. It's, it's a little raw, um, but we're going to go there. Uh, so as many of you guys remember last week during last Sunday sermon, I mentioned that Jason and I were going fishing, right? And I was meditating on that trip quite a bit. I was pretty pumped. Jason's one of my best friends, and we were going to go fishing together, and I was excited. And, and I'd kind of been to the spot that we'd been before, and we just... We, it was an awesome fishing spot. There was just fish everywhere last time I went, and, and it was a blast. One of the best fishing trips I'd ever gone. So Jason and I thought, you know what? He's got a boat. Let's, let's go up. We're going to go to the Dells. We're going to get on the Wisconsin River, and we're going to go downriver to this spot. It's going to be awesome. Well, we start going, and uh, I don't know if you know anything about rivers. Um, I, I didn't know that much. To be honest, the only time I go river fishing is if somebody takes me because I don't have a boat, right? How many of you guys are right there? Like, you always you don't want to upkeep of a boat so you find friends with one, right? That's it's not the only reason Jason's my friend, but it is a perk, <laughs> right? I just, we're just being honest. And so we go down the river, and, and the first thing we realize is that it is parts of the river are 30 feet deep, and then... Point one miles down the river, it's one feet deep, like in the same channel line. And we found this out. Jason has a depth finder, and he's like, we're at eight feet, four feet, three feet, zero feet. We're, we're on the rocks. All right. Uh, so we keep going. We got to get to this spot. We're not there yet. I'm like, Jason, we can keep going. He's like, is here good, or do you want to keep going? I'm like, well, this isn't the spot. We got to go down here. And so we keep going, and it's kind of shallow in some parts, and, and the water's picking up, and you can see that the current's really strong, and so we kind of go around that, and we pick a spot to fish, and we keep going down the river, and, uh, you know, once again, eight feet, four feet, and we're like, all right, that's it. We're just going to turn around. We're just going to go. We're, gonna, we're like two hours into the trip, and we're like, we're, gonna, we're just going to turn around. We, we're, we're not getting anywhere. I'm do not want to go any further where we don't know anything, and then we get stranded. And so Jason's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Actually, I think it was his idea. He was being smart, uh, if I'm being honest. He's here, so i got to make sure I tell the truth. <laughs> and so we turn around, and uh, we, there's this boat that pulls up alongside of us when we're turning around. It was quite a bit bigger of a boat, and we thought, man, it'd be nice to be in that boat. Um, Jason said it too, so it's, it's not a big thing. And uh, we're going up the river, and it starts raining, and I only am in shorts and a t-shirt because it was like 80 when we left Whitewater. And so now it's raining, and it's really cold, and then something's going wrong with Jason's motor. And it's like, and we're going like, we were going fine down the river, 
But going up, it wasn't so strong. And it was like sputtering. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to try something. And he turned on the trolling motor, and that was going faster than the regular motor. And then he started rowing. And so Jason's rowing like a madman, and I'm like shivering to death. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, it's, and he's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm like, no, it's okay. We're good. I'm sorry. I hope we catch a fish. Like, we're going to fish. And I'm like freezing, and I didn't want to do the move where you like pull your arms in the sleeves to like get yourself. I'm like, I'm going to tough it out with Jason. And uh, he had like this protective long sleeve shirt on, and, and he's like, you want to trade shirts? And I'm like, I don't think that's going to fit. We're just going to go with it. And he's like, has this really smart idea. Like, we're not getting anywhere. Let's just start walking on the riverbank and we'll just pull the boat. So we did for a little bit. And then we're like, okay, it seems calm here. We'll jump back in. And we roll for a bit. And he's like, oh, we're moving now. We're going like 0.5 miles an hour, you know. And he's just rowing. We're all wet because we got out of the boat. And then we hit this point where the current just picks up and it's so strong that the trolling mower motor plus Jason rowing wasn't enough horsepower to get us through the current. And so he's going, and we're not. We're going, the, we're going the wrong way. We're just, we're in the wilderness, not sure how we're going to get out. And so we get out of the boat, and I had Crocs on that somebody had got me for my birthday, and I didn't want to lose them, so I took them off. Now I'm like barefoot, and I'm like walking on rocks, and I'm soaking wet. We haven't caught a fish. We've spent more time trying to get the boat back up the river than we have fishing. And for some reason, the presence of God is just with us because we're just having a great time, and we're laughing. And, and just at that point, the only thing you can do is chuckle, right? And so we get up the river a little ways, and the boat that we saw down there when we first turned around is up there, and they gave us a tow in. And uh, we spent the last hour fishing off the shore, and Jason caught a bass. Or no, uh, yeah, smallmouth bass. So we didn't get at least the whole day without a fish. But it kind of leads me into what we want to talk about today, because we're actually wanting to talk to you guys about the wilderness. Not necessarily that wilderness, but this idea that God actually wants us to spend time alone. God wants us to spend time away from people. And, and the interesting thing about the wilderness is that was a physical wilderness. What I'm talking about is more of a metaphorical wilderness, right? And we're going to get into, into what that means. Um, the, the physical wilderness is uncultivated, uninhabited land. There are lonely, desolate areas where there are few, if any, human beings. Uh, on the Arabian desert, it gets up to 120 degrees in the day and 50 degrees at night. So it's a physical wilderness. The spiritual wilderness, um, which we're going to be focusing on, right, this metaphorical wilderness, it's a, it's a time when one is removed from his or her normal daily routine or home, isolated from friends and family, a.k.a. COVID-19, right? That was a pretty big wilderness experience. A person in a desert time or a wilderness time may feel the presence of God, may not feel the presence of God, and it may seem that they are alone in a dark and foreign land. How many, can you, how many of you can relate, right? 
One cannot rely on what used to be familiar. The person walks through a breaking or a stripping process after which their character becomes transformed. Now, I want to be very clear with the purpose of this sermon series, the purpose of this message. This isn't about living in ministry more powerfully. This isn't about doing all of the things that the gifts of the Spirit can do. Those things happen, and they're really, really good, but those aren't actually the tools that we're talking about. See, the tools that we're talking about, the foundation from Scripture, spending time alone with Jesus away from everybody else, these are tools that God will use to make you a person who looks more like Jesus. See, all the spiritual stuff, all of the, all of the acts of ministry that we can do, we can actually fake, and, and we can probably do a pretty decent job. And in fact, the Lord says in, in Philippians that, there are some that are actually doing a good job, but they're doing it for false motives. Motives, And Paul says, I actually rejoice in that because people are still going to get saved. But what I'm talking about here, this powerful life that we're talking about in Christ, isn't just for ministry. It isn't just for show. It isn't just for looks. It isn't just for gifts. It's actually to make you more like Jesus, right? It's actually to make you look more like Christ. And that's what isolation can do. It's actually a discipline. It's actually a thing that you can voluntarily choose. Now, Jason and I did not choose to get stranded upriver in a boat. Thankfully, we had a paddle. You know, <laughs> thankfully, we had something. So, so sometimes the wilderness is involuntary. Sometimes it's not a choice, but, but it's actually better if it is. And, and we're going to talk about this now. I, I don't know if you guys remember the Apostle Paul. How many of you guys know who I'm talking about? Come on. Wrote most of the New Testament. We're like, we all, we all know who that is, right? See, when Paul actually gave his life to the Lord, he had this radical conversion, right? He was killing and persecuting Christians in the name of God. He was, he was a Pharisee. He was super religious. He was very zealous. He actually just thought that he was all in for God, and he was correct, and he was, he was just, he had it all together. He knew. He had this radical encounter with Jesus, and he wrote two-thirds of the New or a third of the New Testament. He planted churches everywhere, and he used Paul to preach boldly throughout the known world at that time. I want to back up just a little bit. Paul wrote in Galatians 1.15, says this, Before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away to Arabia. And there I returned to this and later, I returned to the city of Damascus. Then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. And I stayed with him for 15 days. 
when Paul met Jesus, he didn't go just start doing stuff. He, he didn't actually just go and, and, and start his ministry. And this is a guy who we know is probably one of the most influential, one of the people that we have the most writings on in the New Testament, one of the most influential people in the entire church. The reason that we have church, obviously outside of what God has done and orchestrated, is because of the ministry of Paul. And the first thing he did was spend three years alone. I wish I would have read this scripture when I first got saved. I'm being straight with you guys. I got saved on a Friday night, April 13th, 2007. I was like, amazing. I had this radical experience. There was 35,000 people there. And three days later, I preached a sermon. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. And I'm not saying that if, if that's your story, that, 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 that it's bad. But I really want to focus in and, and look at Paul. He met Jesus. He knew it was, and if you know the story, Jesus actually went to Paul and this powerful, like, face-to-face encounter is like, Paul, what are you doing, man? Quit persecuting me. You'd think after an experience like that, you'd just want to go and start telling people about it, right? Like, he was blinded. He recovered his sight after some prayer. He did, like, all of these things, and you just want to go start ministry. He, he did the opposite of what most people think to do when stuff like that happens. Because in the church world, right, and even back then, we got to share our testimony, and we do. But I think the most appropriate action is to first get with the Lord. To first take some time to settle into his presence so that he can begin to transform your character. We're going to read on in Galatians uh, in verse 2, starting in verse 4. Chapter 2, starting in verse 4, it says, Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers, false ones, really. These were people who, they were called Judaizers. They were coming into these churches that Paul was ministering to, and they were saying, all right, now you love Jesus, now you got to become a Jew, and you got to follow all the Jewish customs, and they were trying to convert them to Judaism, and, and Paul's not having any of that. He's like, I've been there, I've done that, and I've spent time in the presence of God, amen? Amen, amen. And, it, and it changes things. It says, they sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations, but we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. And the leaders of the church had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. You see, before the wilderness, Paul was proud, religious, pleasing all the people, having all of the knowledge that he could possibly have and spewing it. He later says in Philippians that it's like garbage to him, right? He goes into the wilderness, and, and it's now not about what actions you can do or what religion stru- religious structures you can follow, but it's about the heart. It's about the freedom that we have in Christ. Three years in the desert made Paul a religious, pious, self-serving leader to somebody who became a servant of Christ.
I think that it's true for us. See, when, when we entered into this involuntary wilderness that we called 2020 and 2021, you had two ways that you could respond. And if I'm being honest with you guys, for the first part of it, I didn't respond well at all. All my plans were getting canceled. I was supposed to go on sabbatical. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen. Couldn't travel anywhere. I was working to make sure that at the time that youth group was still up and running, that, we, that our kids had something, that our students had, had content, and I was making videos. I was actually working harder. No one made me do that. I just felt pressure, and, and I, I, I didn't respond well, and I took on all this added weight that I didn't need to. How many of you guys were there with me? He just struggled. I think that was a learned behavior for me to just struggle. See, the wilderness is actually this beautiful thing that God wants to use. It doesn't have to be a struggle. It, it, it might be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. I think of all of these people in the Bible. That was one example of, uh, of Paul after Jesus came, but there was even moments before that. If you think of the story of Joseph, the wilderness that he went into, his own brothers hated him, sold him into slavery, and his attitude was for the Lord. He didn't let that wilderness, that isolation get to him. He used it in a way that created character in which God can use. Character in which that God was actually really proud of right? That's what the wilderness can do. That's what isolation can do. Hosea 2, it says, I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert. Now, most of you are thinking, what? Seriously? The desert? Come on. I will speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity in Egypt. When the day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband instead of my master. O Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips and you will never mention them again. This is such a power tool. This is such a thing that we can actually grasp and behold and have it be tangible, church. That we can spend time away, disrupted from our normal lives to get into the presence of God. There's no distractions. Where there's no outside noise I think it's really hard for us, right? Right, it's really, it's really difficult because we don't, we don't like, some of us don't like the quiet. Some of us can't differentiate between alone and lonely, right? There's a big difference. Some of us are just scared. What, am I, what is my mind going to go to when I don't have anything filling that?
So there's actually a process, and, and this is probably could have just been a one-point message, but I, I really want you guys to understand that I don't have any, any quippy statements, any, any fun, like, pastorally advice that makes you feel really good about this, because it kind of feels weird. Am I right? Like, are you guys feeling that tension? Like, really, this is all, all I, just go be alone with the Lord. Like, I don't have 15 tips for you. I, I, get alone, start praying, start getting in your word, and, and, and just do it. Just be alone with the Lord. If you've never done that, you should try it sometime. If you rely on people to help you get into the presence, it's, it's good. And, and we're going to talk all about that later. It's not a bad thing to have people and guidance and iron sharpens iron. We're going to get all of that. But it's actually really, really important. You see, the reason why is because the wilderness is where idols are stripped from our lives. Again, back to Hosea, it says, Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips and you will never mention them again. It's this breaking process where you can get in and, and it's uncomfortable. It is so tedious. And you actually have to go to the Lord and you have to be honest and you say, God, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm doing. It's in this wilderness time that you can actually feel the goodness of God that can lead to repentance where you say, God, would you just have my heart like like my wife was singing earlier, like, would you just have my heart? It's, but it, it happens in the wilderness when you can actually speak out loud to God what's going on. What are you afraid of? What are you going through? All of it. God's not afraid of anything that you have. He's not afraid of any of it. He wants it all. Oftentimes, when you get alone with God, he, his spirit can actually reveal these ungodly things in our character that we didn't even know. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Right, you can confirm that this is true. It's where you wrestle. Wrestle with God. You work it out. I think sometimes we get into the religious habit of, of just saying yes without understanding. I don't actually think that that's what God wants for you. Like Jacob in the Bible, he, he wrestled with God and he didn't know it was God for a while, but he's, he's wrestling and, and he's just not gonna let God go. And he says, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me, right? I'm not gonna let you know, I'm, I'm not gonna give this up. I'm struggling right now with this. And, and God, I don't know where you are, but I know you're somewhere and I'm not gonna let go until you bless me, until you figure this out with me. God, I'm not gonna let go until we get out on the other side of this. When you do that, You know you're headed in the right direction when, when the relationship with God's presence starts to deepen.
she will give herself to me there, says Jose again, as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from captivity in Egypt. When that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me husband instead of master. See, when your relationship with the Lord deepens, that's when your identity gets to come out. When who you really are comes to the surface. Honesty with God increases. Honesty with other increases. Humility increases. Selfish motivation decreases. And we find freedom. And then finally, we actually have a release to look towards the future. Most of the time, I can speak from my own life, I can speak from the testimony of others, the pattern that I see is that you would be stripping away, wrestling with, getting deeper, and then seeing divine opportunity as you come out of the wilderness, as you come back. And because honestly, and here's the trap some of you guys are thinking, all the introverts in the room, I see you, and I, t- I see you formulating this is perfect. Actually, no. You have to come back out. I think you need to say that to yourself. I, I actually need to come out of the wilderness at some point. I remember the moment for me when, when the involuntary wilderness of COVID-19, the involuntary isolation turned into something really powerful for me. Where God showed up, I dropped the pity party, was honest with what I was dealing with, and God began to move. And if it was not for that time, I honestly would not be here standing in front of you right now. I would have left. It was too much for me to handle, and I think that's okay. God showed up in a big way. He strengthened and encouraged me in a way that only he could. And he wants to do the same for you guys. See, he actually does want to use you. He actually wants to see powerful things come out of your life. But more than that, he just wants you. I think about all of, these, all of these people in the Bible. I think about what God has done in my life. And sometimes we look for formulas and, and we look for things that, that make it easier. And, and it's just not easy. There is no formula. There's no magic recipe, guys. If there was a magic recipe, I think it would come from Heidi or Marlis. (laughs) Nope. Okay. There's no magic recipe. Like, there's nothing. 
except for the presence of God. Isn't it exciting to see what God can do? We saw a little bit of what God could do this morning. Stir up in a person's heart to watch his goodness lead to repentance. To watch his arms wrap around us when we're hurting and broken. You know, we started this series with a with a, a scripture in in Corinthians that says that this can't just be a lot of talk. You are meant for powerful living, for godly character. And even for those of you who have been walking inside of that, there's even more. Your story's not done being written. God has something in store for you. He has something in store for me. And I think as we enter this season, the the involuntary season of isolation is turning and we're beginning to open up again. I see most of your faces, that's amazing to me. You're all so pretty. (laughs) Even the guys. (laughs) Too much? We're good? Checking with my wife to make sure that was okay. I think if we can do the tough stuff, getting into our word, getting alone with Jesus intentionally for more than an hour, for more than five minutes to spend and dedicate time with him in the wilderness where we can actually wrestle with the things that God is is doing, where we can actually spend time in his presence and hear him speak tenderly to our hearts. If we can actually do that, The fun stuff is more fun. The powerful stuff is more powerful. And at the end of the day, we don't spend time trying to steal God's glory for ourselves. Amen? God would get all the glory. And we'd get to participate with him as the bride of Christ, not just as slaves. I believe that's happening now. I look out and I see people hungry for God, serving him, ready to go into war with him. My prayer for you, church, is that you wouldn't go in without his presence. Would you stand with me and pray? Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, God, that we get to spend time with you. It's not even a chore to spend time with you. Sometimes we just don't know how. It feels so awkward and intangible. It feels so so lofty that you would want to spend alone time with us, alone time with me, God, but you do. 
you do so badly. God, my prayer is that we would want it just as badly as you do. That we would spend time in your presence alone with no distractions. And when we come out the other side, I pray that we would look more like Jesus. Amen.